Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. Hey, everybody, before we get started, I just want to encourage everyone here, watch the select committee on January 6th hearings. I think it is an important historical record of one of the worst days in our country's history. And I think it's important that you are able to see for yourselves just what happened on that day, who was responsible, and that you can share that information with your friends and your family and your colleagues when they say none of it matters. Every bit of it matters. I hope you'll tune in. I hope you'll find all of our content, ask us questions. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today, I'm joined in studio and in person by the legendary Democratic strategist, senior advisor to The Lincoln Project, and host of That Trippy Show, the one and only Joe Trippy. Joe, welcome back. Great to be with you, Reed. All right, man. So where do you want to start today? Because there's literally no news going on. So we could talk about the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court's overturning of Miranda, the overall ultra MAGA attack on individual rights and liberty in this country, as well as let's also talk a little bit about the union and where we are with that. But before that, let's talk a little bit about as we're recording this, we all got messages on our phone this morning. This is Monday that the January 6th committee is going to hold an emergency hearing um, tomorrow. tomorrow. They were supposed to take two weeks off. They said that there's new evidence come to light. So I've got an idea of what I think it is, but what do you think is so pressing that they had to come back into session 10 days early? I don't know, but it's got to be good. I mean, when they put that tip line out there and uh, when they pushed all the levers and suddenly people started to wake up, just maybe right. staying quiet isn't going to work for me. Right, because somebody's coming Somebody's forward. coming forward. <laughs> now, who's your guess at who it is? So I think, and Rick and I were talking a little bit about this as we were standing at the food truck earlier getting tacos, that it is the documentarian that he turned over all the raw footage and they spent the last five days watching all of it. And they're like, ooh, that works. Oh, Ivanka perjured herself, <laughs> right? So-and-so perjured themselves because, I don't know, Joe, if you've been the subject of a documentary, I know I've been the subject yes, of a documentary, but until and unless you make very particular arrangements with the producers and the crew, they can use whatever you, they want. Yeah. Right? And the other thing that happens is that once you're deep into it, you forget the cameras. That's there. right. You just forget it's there. And so the guards that you had up, those first three or four sessions right. are just gone. And you're, so it'll be interesting because, you know, people said some things. Well, and on the sort of getting used to it front, right? The crew shows up at your house. They love your dog, right? They're always yeah. shooting extra footage of the dog because dogs always make great B-roll or whatever. But you're absolutely right is they almost become part of your day. And when they leave, it's sort of like, where'd everybody go? But the more interesting thing, Joe, is that this is the White House. This is the president of the United States. And they didn't sign anything, which I guess shouldn't be surprising. You know, again, maybe it's that inside the beltway and even inside the uh, the 18 acres, as they call the White House complex, that, well, 
obviously they're going to make us look good. That's what I'm saying. Once they're in, forget it. They're going to be able to use anything. And he forgot they were there. Right. That's what I'm saying. And I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they got him talking about. Well, and everybody else in Trump's orbit, too. I'm sure that this filmmaker is a very upstanding individual. But also, this guy's going to be household name. When they finally cut this thing together, they're going to sell it. And everybody we know is going to watch it. Yeah. Well, and Trump likes things that are good for ratings. So who knows, you know? Right. Even if they're bad for yeah, him. Yeah, even if they're bad for him. But what I find interesting about it is we didn't think they were going to do much till after July 4th. Because even if the documentary does have some interesting things, Ivanka perjured herself, that kind of stuff, you'd think July 6th is fine, right? So I'm going to be really interested in what the hell it really is. So before we move on to the other issues, one thing is that at the beginning of the 1-6 hearing process, Fox said, we will not carry it. We will not carry it. 20 million people tune into the first primetime deal, and now Fox is covering it. I want to get your sense of why you think that is, because that's a pretty big reversal for the biggest of the house organs of the GOP saying, you know what, even we can't not show this stuff. Because they're seeing, look at what happens when the hearings come up, their audience goes away. You know, people think that that means they're not interested. And I think there certainly are Fox viewers who go, oh, my God, the hearings are bringing it off. But they may be going to other places to see the coverage. And that's something Fox can't afford to do either. So I think that's a big piece of it. But also the other thing that's fascinating to me is how Fox personalities now are moving to that, hey, we weren't close to losing it all because good Republicans stood up. See, these are proof that the party's not Not broken. Broken, yes, exactly. And so we're starting to see the shift to the new narrative, which will be the heroes who saved the country kind of stuff. In my conspiratorial mind, too, I think if you go back to election night of 2020, remember there was Fox that first called Arizona for Joe Biden with Chris Steyerwalt. But I wonder, too, Joe, if Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch, who were never huge fans of Donald Trump, or like, maybe this is the thing that rids us of this guy and gives us the Ron DeSantis we so desperately want. Yeah, I don't think that's your conspiratorial mind <laughs> there. I think it's like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I think it is too. And you know, I mean, the truth is too, if you think about it, Tucker's probably fine with that too. Hannity's probably kicking and screaming, but you know Hannity, he'll fall in line. Yeah, but Tucker's probably figuring out oh, that gets Trump out of the way for me. And uh, maybe he can take DeSantis on, I mean, in the right. way he's thinking. So we'll see. But yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. They're, they're seeing where this is going. They're jumping in front of the parade a little bit and just fine with putting Trump under the bus and hoping this takes them out. Right. And gives them, I don't know that they necessarily care about credibility, but shoving Trump off stage and bringing in, you know, what I call car wash Ron, somebody who's, I think, as odious as Trump, but they're clearly doing a better job of sort of polishing him up. You can see all of the press attention that DeSantis is getting. Like, none of that's an accident. No, not at all. Look, they can read polls, too. They see DeSantis going ahead of Trump in New Hampshire. You know, from a Fox perspective, it makes sense to them. It'd be interesting to see, and I don't have any confidence whatsoever in their ability or willingness to do something like this, but it would be interesting to see if there is a point at which even the GOP leadership, the MAGA leadership says, Mr. President, we love you, but it's time for you to move on. The question of whether the hearings are moving the public, their answer 
you know, you see in some of these like focus groups and other polling that the MAGA Trump voters are starting to say, I still like him, but I hope he doesn't run again. That's significant. It'll be interesting, too, because, you know, you think back to 2015 when CNN showed an empty tarmac for 30 minutes waiting for Trump, the candidate, to show up, right? MSNBC, they still had Trump on Morning Joe. Fox was all over it, all over it, all over it. I don't know that anybody is able to command that sort of otherwise media blackout like Trump could in that moment. No way. And DeSantis can't. I mean, I think hopefully the media also learned a lesson from that. And even if there was, wouldn't do it again. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between Trump and really anybody else in our current political thing. And it goes back to, I remember being outside whatever the Civic Center is in Manchester, New Hampshire, right before the 20 primary. And thousands of people lined up and I had a camera crew with me and, you know, walking around in my baseball cap and my vest. And so I looked, I approximated them and I said, why are you here? Like the show, man, he's here. We got to see the show. And the panel trucks lined up, the pickup trucks lined up with all the merch, all the stuff. No one else, I think, has the ability to do that. Well, one, I don't know that we should say that, though. That's fine. I mean, in other words, yes, he was able to do it. Is there somebody out there who's willing to be that outrageous? He tapped in to something that was already there. And I think DeSantis is just smoother about it and in a lot of ways scarier because of that. And so maybe it won't be the circus coming to town, but I think that might not be a good thing. Right. No, that's true. That's true because you're right, because for whatever he doesn't bring in that showman, he brings some of those suburban, let's call them Lincoln Project voters, maybe back to the fold. They're former Republicans, conservative leaning independents, because let's be clear, even when you're governor of Florida, it's not like somebody in Minnesota is paying attention to you every day. No, and that's where with Roe, getting to those suburban voters, those Lincoln voters, who I don't think go for the extremes on any, I mean, it's not abortion on demand or abortion bans with no exceptions whatsoever. This is where I think Roe really could make a difference in terms of those suburban voters, because I think what they don't want is the extreme. They will see the overturning of Roe v. Wade being an extreme thing. And on that, there's one thing Rick and I were talking about earlier today was it wasn't just about the ruling on a medical procedure and all of the things that come with it. But he said, look at how many people are like, look, we got the libs again. And I remember it was a few years back and there was a court ruling in Texas. And I don't remember if it was a Planned Parenthood thing or what, but there were people cheering outside like a Planned Parenthood facility that had been shut down, clearly in a at best working class neighborhood. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is a healthcare provider, not just abortion, but a healthcare provider for young women, neonatal care, young moms, old moms, whoever it was. And they're out there cheering that this is no longer available. And to me, it was just the mean spiritedness, not to mention that, you know, there's Roe and all of this stuff too, Joe, about J.D. Vance saying, aren't we freeing women from 90 hours a week in a cubicle? Like all this stuff, like, oh, suddenly, congratulations, you get to stay in the home all day again. You'll be in an apron, right? Like, are you fucking kidding me? And his wife's a high-powered attorney. Yeah, at a huge law firm, right? I'm sure he's preaching this stuff to her. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure she's just delighted with it. You know, and that's the kind of thing where you take a guy like Vance, 
we have seen the cynical nature of a Ted Cruz and a cynical nature of a Josh Hawley, but Vance might be the next one. He might be the next one because he's so clearly willing to say anything, right? I mean, think about this just to step out of the court for a second. J.D. Vance has been against helping Ukraine, against it, against it, against it. Ted Cruz and Dan Crenshaw were called rhino cucks, globalist cucks for supporting Ukraine over the Russian invasion. J.D. Vance, he's right there in that ultra lane. He ain't moving. Yeah. Well, this gets down to one of the things I keep, I've been saying, I keep saying it. They keep nominating these ultra mega guys who get in that lane and stay there. And I really do think that's something that's going to help defeat them in the Senate. And I think even in the House, but we'll see. And the other thing, too, is I've seen, Joe, is especially, you know, on our team, we have a number of young women. All the women on our team have been extremely upset by this. The young women, you know, talking to some of them, working with some of them, on Thursday night, they were the freest people Earth had ever known. And on Friday night, their world imploded. Yeah. The shock and the pain a lot of these women suddenly felt. I mean, that they just didn't, even in the face of knowing it was coming, just didn't really expect it to happen, even though they expected it to happen. We'd gotten a preview a couple of months ago, right? But maybe it's that sort of, no, it can't happen here. The denial, the same thing that got us here. got us here. (laughs) This whole denial, the inability to imagine how far they'll go. And I still think we're seeing that in Thomas's concurrent opinion. So in that concurring opinion, birth control, gay marriage, privacy generally. But what's the one thing, Joe, he left out? Yeah, interracial marriage. Interracial marriage. The loving decision didn't show up. Of course, he's married to a white woman. Ironically, he thinks that you should only be able to marry who you want so long as he and Jenny Thomas agree with it. (laughs) I mean, what an asshole. And that the other Trump judges won't go along with that is crazy. I mean, that's where I think you're starting to see the MAGA stuff actually show up now in the highest court in the land. That's what changed. I mean, when you really look at what happened here, the law didn't change. I mean, very recently, two years ago, this court upheld Roe v. Wade. And the only thing that's changed the whole time was personnel, three judges, and they were all Trump judges. And he told us this was what he was going to do. And McConnell was a key player in it. Key player in the whole thing. And they did it. The bad guys in these situations, they always tell you what they're going to do. Yeah, they did January 6th. They did this. They're going to keep doing it. They just are. You know, we got to stop it. And uh, that's where I do think you're starting to see already a lot of energy among Democrats, independents, even Republican women who are saying they're much more interested in voting in this election because of the Roe v. Wade. But it's got to materialize. It's got to turn your anger into action kind of thing. Right. But let me ask a question, one that I'm not normally this pointed on. Which is, I've seen, and admittedly, you know, it's social media, so take it, it's anecdotal. But a lot of, again, at the marches and the protests, a lot of anger pointed at Democrats, saying you had 50 years to fix this and you never did it. Yeah. Well, there was 50 years of an assault from the right, and I think 50 years of a lot of people in America taking that right for granted, that it was never going to get taken away that they believed these three lying judges when they were sitting in their hearings saying, no, Roe v. Wade, it's very important precedent. They believed it. Now, there are others who didn't believe a word of it, but I think it gets to this normalcy bias 
It's like when Joe Biden got elected. It's all going to be okay. Okay now. Right. No. No, no. Right. It, it's us. Saving the democracy is going to be hard work. Right. And you got to be willing to do the work. I know that a lot of people really deeply want to do something. That's why we started the, you know, the jointheunion.us for those of you who haven't done it. But it's that hard work of turning this frustration, turning the anger into energy and right. activity and into doing something. And yeah, what we can do is vote. We can get others to vote. We can make sure people are registered. We can do the hard work of strengthening the democracy by making sure our votes are heard and counted. And that also involves compromise along the way. You know, there's not going to be perfect candidates out there, but a lot of them are a hell of a lot better than these MAGA crazies that the Republican Party's nominating right now. And we've got to help every single one of them defeat the ultra MAGA folks. Well, and, you know, before we move on to the union and what folks can do, the other thing that, well, among other decisions, but on the individual rights perspective that the Supreme Court handed down is they basically gutted the decades old Miranda yeah. decision, which, you know, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you no, say. No, you don't read. Not anymore. Not anymore. You have the right to counsel. If you can't afford one, one will be provided for you. And Miranda, as we've seen, is not enough. But without it. So now let's bring it to the state of Missouri. So now you are a young woman who's making for the border. You know you've got a problem and you're trying to get to Illinois. You get stopped at the border. Cop says, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just going for a drive. going to go see a cousin. I don't believe you. What are you really doing? Well, you know, and then the story changes because she's nervous. He's just going to put her in cuffs and throw yeah. her in the back of the car. There's no advising of a right. I mean, think about how many, for good or for ill, how many things have been overturned in the past because a cop didn't properly Mirandize somebody. We didn't have an expression. Were they Mirandized? Right. And so it all goes back to the states, right? That's the whole other part of this, too, is it? we're going to send it back to the states. So they care about states' rights on things like abortion and Miranda rights. But Joe, when it comes to things like the Second Amendment, we say all bets off, can't make any rules. And so it's like, is it Tombstone? Is it the Wild West? Is it the Articles of Confederation? Yes. Because it's like they're breaking the down. The answer to all that is yes. <laughs> That's where they want to go. That's why these two elections in 2022 and 2024 matter so much. Right. Because if they have their way, they're going to keep pushing these rules and the court is going to keep doing this. You know, I think it's the Chevron case where they overturned Congress's ability to let departments regulate the laws. They throw that out. I mean, everything that's out there is going to be undone with that one ruling. Chevron's part of it, but I'm not entirely sure about what it was. But the whole idea here is the way it works is Congress passes a law, the president signs it, now it's in the hands of the executive branch because in the legislation, they would have said it's up to the Commerce Department right. to run NOAA, hurricane hunters and all right. that. Well, the Commerce Department is going to figure out how to do those right. things because Congress doesn't know. It's Congress's ability to shift the actual implementation to a department and not right. have to do it themselves. Right. But now to take it to like its most absurd degree, Joe, would you have to say, OK, we're going to pass the hurricane bill, right? It's going to be all the hurricane stuff we're going to do for the year, Joe. But it's not just like, here's five or six slugs of money for broad things. It's now going to be, here's how much money you have to pay each person. So it just, it becomes a ridiculous sort of farce because there's, that's not how the government was meant to operate. Right. But if they rule and throw this out, we're going to end up having to restructure just about every law that says the Commerce Department's going to do this. Homeland Security 
is going to do this. I mean, it's in a weird way. This one's really complicated because I'm not sure I understand. Right. I'm just being honest about that. But I do think like Roe v. Wade, we all know what that is. This one is kind of what one where I don't know that a single American's really going to understand what they did, but it may have even just as insidious a pain on how the country operates moving forward. Well, it's because it's like we're reaching this peak Ayn Rand, every man for himself kind of belief system. And they're in a hurry to do it. Not only are they in a hurry, let's just say this, that history has taught us that if and when they take over, these people move fast. They do not wait around to see how it's going to go. They just do it because oftentimes then by the time they get into power, if they own the White House, the U.S. House, the Senate, and then the judiciary in 2025, they're like, we're not waiting around. Like we're going to consolidate, consolidate, consolidate. And at that point, what happens? Well, California's like, we're on our own. And they're like, oh, really? No water for you then. And it just becomes a mess. But maybe that's what they want. I mean, maybe chaos is the answer. Maybe all of these people with guns on their hips, you know, laughing at people, surveilling one another and all this vigilantism, maybe that's what they want. Because maybe it sets up a security state. Maybe it sets up like East German enforcers to take it probably, hopefully, too far. Yeah. Well, hopefully they take it too far really quick here and people wake up. I mean, that's the one thing that I think is happening. People who were not really aware of the threat or doing now that can't happen. You know, it's not going to happen here, even after January 6th. And so they're going to make every move they can make. And I think each one hopefully wakes up more and more Americans to why these two elections are so important and that and that it is no longer right, left. It's not Democrats versus Republicans. This is, you're either pro-democracy or you're with these folks. And if the pro-democracy coalition doesn't build strong enough and across a broad spectrum of America, they're going to succeed at this. Right. That is scary. And if we don't do what we need to do, that's what's going to happen. But the good news, you know, when we look back on history, Joe, everybody thinks that the way it turned out was always the way it was going to turn out. It could be the American Revolution. It could be the Civil War. It could be Germany 1933. But as we know, with every disaster, there's a chain of events that occur in that disaster that if one thing was pulled out, you don't get there, right? The plane doesn't crash. The bomb doesn't go off, whatever metaphor you want to use. And so the American people have to serve as that circuit breaker to say, we're going to pull it out right here. It's got to get from A to C and we're pulling out B. Yeah, well, the 2020 election, January 6th Select Committee has shown the circuit breakers held, barely, but they held. But we all know that they've already learned the lessons of what didn't work for them on January 6th. That circuit breaker will not, we cannot count on that one being there. It's got to be us. Right. And I think that, you know, regardless of what state you live in, getting out there, registering, voting, serving as a poll watcher serving as a, an election Running worker, for school board. Running for school board, running for city council, right? I mean, none of these things sound fun. I would like to tell you that being on a local school board is fun, but I don't think it is. But the point is, is like, we need to put servants back in service. People who say, I'm going to go do this because I know it's the right thing to do. Because in the vacuum, as we've seen, Joe, nature will not abhor a vacuum and these guys won't either. QAnon and the MAGA folks are literally, you know, just rolling into the zone on school boards and stuff like that and flooding the zone, you know, and we've got to get good people out there. have got to decide I'm going to do my part and run or get active. 
find out who is running for school board and make sure you know who the hell you're voting for. Because right? Right. most of us walk in there and like it's six names and we don't know who anybody is. Well, and here's the thing, gang. You're on your phone all day. You're looking at God knows what, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too, so I'm not giving anybody a hard time. But if you're voting tomorrow, like Utah is, as we tape this, you've got your phone. You can look this stuff up. It takes two seconds. A lot of times it will be as easy as R versus D. Sometimes if it's a nonpartisan election, like a local election, a county election, you'll have to spend six minutes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? it's true. But we got to do that work. You talk about Democrats, we were asleep at the switch for 50 years. True. This was a plan, and they have a plan, and they're going to keep implementing it. And okay, guilty. I didn't think it could happen in America, all that good stuff. Well, it is happening. You know, you can say, geez, we should have done this, we should have done that. I mean, Democratic Party should have done this, should have done that. But uh, there's no excuses anymore. You can't wait for Merrick Garland. You can't right. wait for the Southern District of New York. You can't wait for the, some billionaire out there to fund some, like, you know, anti Fox media right. company. It's us, and we've got to do it from the bottom up. And there's enough of us. There's more of us than them if we are willing to do the work. I think also what you're seeing now is in energy, I think, more among young Americans, right, who I think did turn out in record numbers in 20. So we need to do that again. We need that fire that you talked about earlier to cool into determination. And I saw a few folks say, you know, they've been playing the long game. They've been playing the long game. We got to play the long game. Like, too late. We'll get to that. You want to play the long game? Let's get to that. But right now, like the Titanic has a hole in it and the Bismarck is shooting at it. And we got to patch the Titanic and start shooting back. And that's what I think people need to understand. There's a lot of complaining about what didn't happen, but complaining is not going to turn that ship and sink the other one. And that's what we got to do. We got to sink the ultra mega candidates out there because right. if they, again, the 147 members in the Senate and the House voted not to certify free and fair election. They didn't have the majority. Well, anybody who watched what they're doing and sees what they're doing and doesn't think that if they have the majority, they aren't going to do what they want. And what they want is a bunch of going back to the 1940s, I guess. And I commend to you the book from the, about 90 years ago called It Can't Happen Here by Sinclair Lewis. I commend you to read that because when you read it, and it is a readable book, not that long, you will be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> like, oh, wait a second, I saw this too. But I think that, Joe, this is the other part too, which is crises focus the mind. We should use that and we should say, okay, guys, it is four months basically to election day, three months in some places, Joe, to where ballots start dropping, right? So like we're 90 days out. That's not a long time. No. A lot of this now, it's going to be like a freight train just moving how fast this election's coming up. We all got to get out there right now. Right. And we see that, you know, there are some recent surveys out of a place like Pennsylvania that showed, I think, Josh Shapiro only up three or four points on Doug Mastriano. So when you say, oh, a crazy nut like Doug Mastriano can't win, he can win. No, that's true. But, you know, I turn this around a little bit, too, on a more hopeful thing to think about. Everybody's talking about, you know, Joe Biden's down in the 30s. He's going to drag everybody down. You know, it's all over, you know, et cetera. What I find fascinating about that is Fetterman's up by six, seven, eight points. Shapiro is up by three or four. Ryan's up by three or four in, in Ohio. What I'm trying to say is like, this is all happening with all this other stuff, with inflation. I mean, all the stuff that they keep talking about that's going to drag Democrats down. 
that is probably what's keeping Mastriano kind of in the race with Shapiro. But I still think in the end, we're in much better shape. Do we have to do the hard work? Yes. But can the pro-democracy forces out there, regardless of what party you're in, win enough seats to stop the MAGA extremists from gaining a majority? Yeah, I think we can. And I think this is something, gang, you've heard me say before, and we've talked about it a lot before too, but remember that this is a game of small numbers, right? All of the work that we do, the billions of dollars that will be spent, the millions of men and women hours that will be used knocking on doors, making calls, right? Guys, it matters on the margins and the margins are where we win and lose. And so if we get 30 or 40,000 more votes out in Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro and Fetterman win. 30, 40,000 more votes than we thought we could in Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer, General Nessel, Secretary Benson wins. Governor Evers wins in Wisconsin. Governor Sisolak wins in Nevada. Katie Hobbs wins in Arizona, right? So these places, they are going to be close. We know that. No, and look at 2020. I mean, look at how close Pennsylvania was, how close Georgia was, Arizona. These Senate races and governor's races, a lot of them will be decided by those kinds of margins. Right. That's one of those things that means, yeah, you, us, we all can make that difference. We did, I think, in several of those races in 2020. And if we dig deep with our time and support candidates with money, et cetera, where we can, I think we can make the difference again. I think we have to. I think we got a much better chance than people think. And even if we lose one or two of these going down swinging, like, you know, that's better than like wallowing in why didn't the Democrats do right. something? Well, and, and, you know, this is the thing, right? If you can reasonably be assured that the cavalry isn't coming, then you better figure it out on your own. Yeah. Right. And you're the cavalry. And you're the cat. Yeah. You're, then you're the cavalry. But also, you know, Joe, what we saw in the, I think the hearings have highlighted this is that. Donald Trump didn't lose 2020 because more Democrats voted for Joe Biden. He lost because in a place like Georgia or Wisconsin, 50,000 Republicans said no. Those are those suburban, you know, what we call Bannon line voters. And I think they're still very gettable because between January 6th, between Uvalde, between Roe, between just the ugliness and weirdness, right? I mean, remember, it wasn't that long ago that Tucker Carlson had that show about guys tanning their balls. Like, it is a weird movement. It is a strange group of people who believe really weird shit. You know, I had forgotten about that. Well, you know, it's my job to bring all this stuff back to the front. And I'm really, like, now having to live (laughs) seeing that again in my head. Well, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry to everybody out there. All right, Joe, so before I let you get out of here, where can everybody find that Trippy show, and where can they find you on social media? On Twitter, at Joe Trippy. And that Trippy Show podcast, wherever you find this podcast or any of your other favorite podcasts, look for that Trippy Show. I hope you give it a listen. That's it. Absolutely tune in. You follow both of our shows, you download them, you listen to them in order, right? Every week, listen <laughs> to them in order. You know, that and jointheunion.us, and you've done your part for this week. We'll get to next week. I got one thing. The one thing you can do is find one more person, one more family member, right. one friend, one neighbor, one coworker, and ask them to start listening. Because right. this is how we grow the movement, is getting people to hear the message and understand what the stakes are. And you can help us do that. Amen to that. As always, everybody, you can find me on Twitter, at Reed Galen, on Instagram, at Reed underscore Galen underscore LP. Thanks, everybody, for joining me, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again to everyone for listening. 
be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter at Project Lincoln. And for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. Also, be sure to check out our LPTV lineup, including The Breakdown with Tara Setmayer and Rick Wilson, which airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, as well as We're Speaking with Lisa Senecal and Maya May, which airs Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. All shows you can stream live on the Lincoln Project's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. And we'd love you to join us for our newest show, Lunch with Lincoln, which airs every Friday at noon Eastern on our YouTube channel. For the Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. See you on the next episode.